you know, when I was around 15, 16, um, I'll always remember this. The story just sticks out. It's just a family one that I bring up every now and then, and, and my mom gets a kick out of it. My dad doesn't remember it, but that's that's irrelevant to the conversation. Anyways, when I was a teenager, 15, 16, something like that, I went through a rock and roll phase. Not uh, not glam rock, not pop punk of the early 2000s, classic rock. Uh, I feel like, you know, that's a, it, that's a rite of passage for a lot of young people. You, uh, always, you always explore the music that your parents liked or the movies your parents liked or whatever. And, uh, for, you know, my dad grew up, he was a child of the 60s, grew up in the 70s. That was a turbulent time. A lot of good music came out of that era, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to put the hip-hop records down. I'm going to stop dyeing my hair like Eminem, and I'm going to embrace rock and roll. I was already listening to some rock, but I just, you know, what I, I want to do, I want to do the classics. So I decided to dive in. But before I dove in, I actually kind of cheated. Instead of just going through some of my dad's old CDs and going, hey, I, uh, I like this song by The Doors. This is a deep cut. I decided to look up Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. And as a child of 15-ish, I was in the 10th grade at that moment, you know, you're naive. You don't really have full circle vision of things. So when I saw a list of the 500 greatest songs, I thought that this was sealed in stone. I thought this was confirmed. There were multiple nations got together and said there was a tribunal. They all decided, you know what, these are the greatest songs of all time. Every one of them. There was uh, some scientific experiment that went on, maybe an algebra equation, and they came up with these 500 great tunes spread out over 100 years. Beethoven, Bach, Mozart, you are irrelevant. We fucking fought your countries in the 40s. You're done. This is a time for classic rock. This is, this is a time. This is a time for heroin needles and birth control. That's all that was, that was seeping through the lyrics of these fine pieces of artistic stuff. And I looked at that and I went, okay, well, this must be important. This must be relevant. I have to, uh, and I became obsessed with this stupid list printed by Rolling Stone. The people who printed the face, <laughs> one of their covers was the face of the Boston bomber. This was many years after that, but I'm just trying to paint a picture of how dumb Rolling Stone is. Could you imagine if I got in Rolling Stone after that mini tirade? Anyways, I go through the list, and it's all the usual stuff. It's Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven. It's uh, Respect by Aretha Franklin. Even Lose Yourself by the one and only Asher Roth. Number one. The number one greatest song of all time, according to Rolling Stone, from that list. Like a Rolling Stone... By Bob Dylan. And I hadn't heard that song before. 
I think it came out, if I am not mistaken, uh, pardon the little keys tapping there, came out, uh, it was uh, first released 1965, the first recording of Like a Rolling Stone, I'm, I, I'm sure it's been covered multiple times, and I listened to it, very simplistic recording, not a whole lot of production, it was just a man singing about the folk. And I enjoyed the song. It was different from what I'd heard. At that point, I was listening to all rap. I was a big Eminem fan. I loved Fitty. Lil Wayne was popular at that time. This was pre-jail Lil Wayne, pre-gun charges. He was fresh. He had already, uh, I guess, impregnated about 10 women at that point. He liked to get around people. Lil Wayne was a man of the people. Anyways, Snoop, I believe, had he had three children, and that was it. He called it quits. Eminem, one, and then two other adopted ones. How Eminem was approved to adopt children, I'm not sure. Is it white privilege? Did they say, hey, you're a man who looks... Were they just, were they a racist adoption agency? Who knows? Anyways. Anyways, like a Rolling Stone, first time I heard it, I was mesmerized. I went down to my father, and this is where the story, <laughs> I've been trailing off so much. I'm sorry, it's the ADHD. You guys got to bear with me. I went down to the backyard where my father was lounging. He was lounging. At the table, it was the summertime, he had a cigar lit, and possibly some whiskey, if I recall correctly. That was his summer look. And yes, his button-down shirt was open. Chest hair flailing in the wind. That sounds like a Bob Dylan song on its own. Chest hair flailing in the wind. Cigar lit the smoke, blowing over the neighbor's fence. Blowing over the neighbor's fence until the lady pokes her head out the window and says, Hey, I smell a little PCP in there. Are you sure that's just a cigar? Tangled up in blue. And then my dad, he gets up and just shouts, Fuck you. This is my cigar. What's in my cigar? It's my own business. Not even my family deserves to know what I'm smoking. Fuck you, I have a full-time job and I'm raising a family. I deserve to kick back and relax. It's a Saturday. Dad, it's Tuesday. It doesn't matter. Shut your mouth or I'll leave you. Anyways, I uh, sat down with my dad and uh, he was just enjoying himself. And I said, hey, Dad, I've been listening to a lot of classic rock. He said, that's great, son. What have you been listening to? Ah, you know, a lot of Zeppelin, a little bit of the Stones, some Clash. And he said, oh, that's, that's wonderful. And I'm like, hey, uh, and I've been listening. I just heard this one song. Hey, Dad, have you heard Like a Rolling Stone? And he says, uh, no, I haven't. I, I freaked out. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was disappointed. Like, I, I did not believe it at first. I did not believe it. And he says, 
No, like I, I seriously have not heard that song. Like I, I don't know who who sings it. I go, it's by Bob Dylan. He goes, oh, okay. Uh, I know Bob Dylan, but I, I never heard the song. And I said, hang on, you were born in 1962. Song was released in 1965. It would have been popular all through the 70s. That would have been one of your coming of age tracks. How do you not know this song? And he goes, Alex, I do not know. Okay, you're frustrating me. Listen, take the whiskey, top it up. And I said, literally all of my respect for you has has is gone. You do not know like a Rolling Stone. And he says, okay, I do not know the song. Remember when I said I'd leave? I will. I, do not test me. I'm like, okay, well, um, this is it. And then my dad stops me and goes, okay. Oh, you know what? Okay, I do remember the song. Like a Rolling Stone. Okay, did it go something like, did it go something like this? And he starts going, he goes, Once upon a time, you dressed so fine. Two the bombs a dime in your prime. I didn't you? And he proceeds to recite every single word of Like a Rolling Stone. Verbatim. And I couldn't believe it. I laughed my ass off for the first 30 seconds. Uh, after it got to about two minutes, after it hit that two-minute mark, and he just kept going, I was like, okay, you've proven your point. I'm a dumbass. I'm 15. I know nothing. I got to, I don't know. I, I, I got to move out, maybe live on the street, maybe to have some perspective. I, I get it. And he just keeps going. He keeps going to the point where it just gets, it's just my dad singing a Bob Dylan song to me like something out of a, one of those weird Beatles musicals from the 2000s. He's just singing it. Like, I'm expecting him to get up and just stand on the ledge and just start going, oh, 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 oh. how does it feel? Didn't feel good. Did not feel good. Anyways... I'm going to pick up the mic here. Uh, I'm good with my hands, people. Holding the microphone. Good with the hands. Hey, I've been in quarantine for nine months now, okay? Got to become an expert at something. Why not to the activity that I practiced since age 12? I'm kidding. I'm, uh, I'm on the no fap. I'm on the no fap thing, folks. Do not do that. Crazy time. Very turbulent time. I don't know what's about to happen. You may as well just... May as well just give her up. Drinking... Uh, black coffee, no sugar, no additives, no nothing. Out of my Be Awesome Today cup which was uh, given to me by a very kind lady who I still keep in touch with uh, all these years later. I took an aptitude test. Holy shit, my sinuses. I took an aptitude test when I was about 23, about six years ago now. And uh, I don't know, it was at one of those moments where I was lost. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, excuse me. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm, you know, I'm doing comedy. 
I was dabbling in music, but we can get into that uh, in another moment. And I, I, I just didn't know what path I wanted to take in life as a young man of all of 23 years old. So I go to my dad, and I say, like any young kid, I say, Dad, take me to a sidekick. He says, no, son, we are not Romanian refugees. I will take you to an HR person. And I said, HR? What do you mean, HR? What do you mean, like human resources? What, what like, I, I thought those people take your jobs, not give them to you. He goes, nobody's giving you a job. She's just going to give you a test an aptitude test, and then you, we, we'll see where you go from there. So I meet with this lady at a Starbucks, and we're there for about an hour. She gives me the test, and it's all these different questions. Where do you see yourself five years? What do you say? What's your personality type like? Are you an introvert, extrovert? And I started saying, well, it's a long story. Do you have time to hear about my childhood? She says, no, I have another appointment. So I just filled out the paper, gave it to her, and uh, as it turns out, I am destined to be in show business, which would explain why I'm recording a podcast from my bachelor apartment at 11.30 at night. Ladies, I'm single, got a box of Trojan Magnums in the drawer. Anyways, she gave me, uh, as a trinket, she gave me this Be Awesome Today glass, and uh, I still keep it with me. I really like it. Although I am not awesome every day. I do not uh, follow the label. I should, but I... Uh, not everybody's perfect, folks. Everything, everything is just so weird right now. I, I, like, I, I'm in this tiny apartment. Uh, I love it. I'm lucky to have it. There's a lot of people who don't. I'm employed. Uh, well, we'll see after they hear this podcast. And, uh, I don't know, I got my bed about three feet away from my table where I do all my writing, I do all my work, and, uh, that's the setup. I'm a single man in an apartment. If, uh, if Tom Hanks had this deal in Castaway, he wouldn't have left that island. Yeah. I don't know, I, I, I'm getting this vaccine. I've decided to put my faith in science. Uh, I am a person who, a lot of the time, I, I am unsure about falling in line and going after it. But then I see some of the people who are against it, and I go, okay, well, a lot of your misgivings about this are reasonable, but you've, you are also on crack cocaine, a lot of you. So I'm going to get it. It's going to have some, uh, I don't know what the ingredients are that go into it. It took nine months to produce. I, like what, perfume and eggshells? Is that the the deal? I don't know. We'll see. I, I, not that I'm saying that people who are against the vaccine are all crazy. They're not. Again, it's a weird time. I don't like to believe everything I fucking see on the news. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that at another moment. This Galactic Federation thing, I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, I've been fascinated with extraterrestrial life pretty much since I was a young child, since I was a wee lad. Loved E.T. Saw Close Encounters at a young age. And uh, 
been reading a little bit into this uh, this ex-Israeli uh, space dude. That was his title. The Israelis have a sense of humor. And uh, every everything just says ex-Israeli space person confirms a galactic federation is real. And I just see Israeli Israel confirms alien life. And somewhere you just know Steven Spielberg is saying to his guy, you got to write that fucking thing down. This is my big comeback. Enough movies about the Pentagon Papers and the Soviet Union. We are going Israel. Aliens. And he's just yelling at a guy with a notepad. Hey, hey, write that thing down. Follow me. The guy's just following him through various locations throughout his day. He's going to the store. He's picking up cashews. A little bit of, uh, a little bit of the old mac and cheese. Cape Cap, Cape Cap, Kate Capshaw. His wife has the grill going. They're gonna have a nice Sunday dinner. Yeah. Okay. I just want you to push the cart and. Uh, just uh, if I have any film ideas uh, while we're going, I just want you to write them down. Okay, I want you to push the car. I want you to. I want you to multitask. Okay, if you keep working hard over the next ten years, you might be in the same tax bracket as my pool boy. Favorite director of all time. Not trying to diss. Not trying to diss the old Stevie boy. Fave director. Saving Private Ryan's wonderful movie. Jaws is my all-time favorite. I rewatched the movie 2012 last week. And it's so weird going back and revisiting old movies that you liked when you were younger. I saw that movie when I was about, I want to say, 18. I went with a friend of mine who I haven't seen in years. That memory is just coming back to me now. But we went on opening night. I was excited because the trailer looked awesome. I'm like, oh, L.A. sinks into the ocean? I got to see that. I got to pay 12 bucks for that. So me and him go. And, uh, you know, we were good buddies. We took different paths, okay? he's. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. He is wanted for several crimes on two different continents. Different lives we led. He decided to rob banks. I decided to stay in massive debt. In some ways, I believe he was the smarter one. He just should not have shot that cashier. But that movie was uh, insane. The only the only part that I still like that I believe holds up is the scene where the tidal wave is going over Mount Everest. Tallest mountain in the world. I believe, by about 29,000 feet. And this wave is just going over it. And I'm thinking, that's that's amazing. And uh, I'm really happy that that monk died. That guy probably annoyed the shit out of people. He's just got that big log that he just bangs into the bell to try to warn the townspeople. The townspeople probably don't like it. Like, hey man, we're, we're 10 feet away. People are going deaf listening to that. None of us can sleep. This guy's been doing it for 500 years. My grandfather couldn't sleep. His father before that. That guy's dad. Our village ranks number one in Asia for sleep deprivation. 
followed by some tiny town in India where they got just some guy who wakes up in the middle of the morning, stands on a roof, and pretends he's a rooster. I hear the, uh, the opioid crisis is big in India. Wild, wild moment. I've been spending a lot of time at my parents' place recently, just going back and forth. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because uh, I'm 29. And I'm, I, it, it's almost like a movie where a guy goes back to his hometown. My hometown is 20 minutes away. I can take the bus or drive, whatever. But I go back to my home area. It's like a guy goes back to his home area and revisits something that he was running away from. He's forced to face it like a Manchester by the sea situation. No, I did not set my family on fire. But I'm back at my, um, my parents' place, and they got a nice house. I have no complaints about growing up there. The area, questionable. I grew up in Mississauga, Ontario. Mississauga, which uh, I believe is a Native American word for land of the backpacks full of beer. Uh, it was uh, better than their original name. Uh, Town of the Coke-dealing Banker. And uh, it's like a wasteland. You see it like during this whole thing, this whole quarantine thing, just everybody like everybody's inside. Yeah, nobody's really doing anything. And uh, I stayed pretty much the entire summer, uh, all throughout July, throughout August, and just kind of stuck around. Went back to my place a couple of times in between, but primarily I was back in my home area. And I would take these drives at night because there was no there was no place open. I would just drive. Like I would just kind of go around and I would just revisit like older places where me and my buddies would hang and we would walk around with these backpacks full of beer. One guy would have the backpack. We'd draw straws for who would have to carry it. Uh, not because it was heavy, just because if the cops came, we were underage and we could all get away and he would be left behind. Hey. It's called a patsy for a reason. I don't think that's what a patsy is. But that's what it was. And it was, uh, it was so weird, weird driving by all those places because they were just empty. A lot of them had been kind of uh, refurbished, I suppose, done over. I remember in old school when we were uh, around 15, we'd hang out and just drink beer there. Try to uh, figure out which party to go to. I was not the party-going type. I was the fifth wheel in those situations. I was not the uh, the social butterfly that I am today. Again, ladies, Trojan Magnums. Yeah, and it's a weird thing just going back and reflecting and being back in those areas. Awfully, awfully weird. Don't forget to subscribe to the old, uh, my, uh, my IG, Something's Off podcast on Instagram. It's uh, my new IG page. I uh, got rid of my old one. Uh, yeah, and I want you guys to subscribe. We're going to try to grow this thing. Something's Off with Alex DeWitt, the podcast. This was uh, the first episode. I don't know what I'm going to call it. This was just kind of a riff moment. It's late, and uh, I appreciate you guys for listening. Bye.